Here we are uh, on the Guardian Project, the Engard. Can you say Engard? Let me see how, how you say it. Engard. Engard. Yeah, see, I, I, I think that's better. Engard, not Engard. Engard. <laughs> so we're here to joust. Um, no, we're here to, uh, to sort of say hello and goodbye to you uh, in our work with you, um, Casey, and the time you've spent at Guardian Project and I don't know I can't I'm never good with dates and how long it's been but it feels like years um, (laughs) because you've had a lot of impact but um, and what I want to do today is just talk about some of the projects that you contributed to during your time with us and um, get your thoughts on working in internet freedom and human rights as a designer Mm -hmm. and maybe hear a little bit about you know, introduce yourself um, to our community as you are also moving in another direction in life. But, um, and yeah, and first, thank you really for all the contributions. I, I think it really made a visible impact for sure, but I think continued to add kind of excellence and sophistication and quality to everything we try to do through your work in engaging at the UI, UX, and design usability layer. So thank you for that. Of course. And what, so to step back, I mean, what what brought you to working in design and to specifically being at OK Thanks, our great design partner? Um, you know, without, we don't need a whole life story, but maybe <laughs> just roll back a little bit. Tell what you're comfortable sharing is what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I started out um, in... Uh, marketing advertising world um and i live in a not very big town in west texas in lubbock and uh we were just i had hit a kind of a roadblock at my previous job and realized that marketing wasn't something that i wanted to do and um i randomly met carrie at a yoga class and (laughs) she was hiring a designer um i had a bit of introduction to user experience specifically just for web design at that point in the marketing world. Um, we didn't really do app design or development. So uh, web design, I'd had a bit of introduction to that and wanted to learn more. And she happened to know a lot. So I met her at yoga and then I became her employee. <laughs> The work that you jumped into with us, is, as we are known for, is was really focused on mobile, um, and which is a whole you know unique thing beyond web or print design or other kinds advertising design and interaction design and, and at the level we were talking about in the way that we I mean it's not like we're old we we aren't old hands at it I mean Carrie really also changed our work when she started working with us as well and we'd always cared about. Um, having good-looking usable apps, but, you know, we can only take it so far. What made it, I mean, how do you feel your, or where do you feel your own intuition and kind of skill set working on mobile came from? And was that something that, you know, you had had some experience with and maybe how did it change coming into a human rights context for you? Yeah, I, I had zero experience with mobile design, but I had a lot of experience with mobile use. Um, and I had a lot of experience with web design. So I think um, just having that understanding first and foremost of how elements work together on a page and how to lead someone's eye from left to right, top to bottom and attract their eye where they need to go um, really helped. In mobile, uh, there was definitely a learning curve, especially learning about Android, because I've always had an iPhone. Um, but and then learning how like different um, platforms 
work completely differently. Like what um, is a standard design on iOS is not the same as it is on Android. And so yeah, I think there, there was a learning curve at the beginning. Um, but eventually, I think just knowing how to um, handle design, even if it's on web, um, can translate. It's it's it. I don't want to say it's not that hard, but but it translated pretty well. Um, uh, always less is more, and um, make it clear and pretty is kind of the way to go. Um, and not pretty, but you know, good looking. Um, the jackhammer started again for our <laughs> listeners. We're doing our best. Um, the street work is essential, so they are working away outside, yes. apparently. Um, your, I mean, pretty is, another word that I've often used is sort of smooth, right? Mm-hmm. There's these these un, intangible or hard-to-grasp ideas about what makes people respond. And I, you know, I mean, one of your experiences working with us was on... Um, Circulo, right? Mm-hmm. Circulo, um, which is a safety app where people are using it under duress, but we also want to make it pretty, you know? Yeah. And um, how did your, I mean, coming from a marketing environment, and I'm asking because, you know, part of what we want are more people like yourself who can come into working in our space, right? More folks mm-hmm. that have skills, creativity, understand aesthetic, but can be brought in to improve, I mean, to scale up the skill set for design in a human rights context, right? And so when you were encountered with, like, it needs to be pretty, but it also needs to consider these five other things, like being used under duress or being used, you know, in where the phone itself is, you know, not safe, for instance, or where the person's not physically safe. How, how did you feel about encountering those, you know, requirements? These are new kinds of requirements. Um, and how did that impact your thinking? Yeah, I mean, it definitely kind of hit a whole new level of understanding your user, for sure. Um, I think there's been, like, a background of you need to know your demographic and who's going to be using what you're designing. Um and then whenever we bring in kind of the scenarios that users for Circula would be in, you know, you don't necessarily want to make something really fun looking for them, but you want it to be really easy and you want it to be aesthetically pleasing without them realizing it's aesthetically pleasing. So kind of understated, um, you don't want it to be obviously difficult and it needs to add zero stress to the situation that they're already in. So that kind of comes back to the less is more. Um, You can still have a consistent brand and have a very like bold, but also calm feel to a product um, where things aren't really simple is a hard word. Um, easy to look at without being forgettable. Yeah, I mean, you think about um, another app that you worked on, Spotlight, um, which is now called We Clock, um, which is, you know, an interesting, it's like also this, these, this um, bifurcation a super complex concept that we want someone to be able to almost forget about, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, or or similarly with proof mode where it's just like this thing that can achieve so much yet we don't want it to intimidate them and we want them to almost, you know, to activate it and then put it away, you know, or Mm -hmm. to hide layers of complexity, you know, and, and, um, I think with both, you know, with, um, with we clock and, and, Circulo, I think we've ach- we've achieved that, um, and though you know we had to go through many many iterations, of course, to get there. And I guess that's aside from your own kind of skill. The other thing that, that okay, thanks, who you know you work for and is our design partner, um, has brought to our work is that sort of process or the ability not that we 
maybe never had done that before, but the, just the capacity to engage in this in a useful, meaningful way so that we can go through multiple iterations. Maybe what were some of the things that we did on Spotlight, you know, that you can remember in terms of getting to where we were? I mean, what is, aside, you know, I mean, I think back to some of the vision boards or mm -hmm. some of the imaging or some of the content, but also just, you know, the process where we went from the, the, the app that I built, which was like a raw data app to mm -hmm. something that had like, I remember seeing the first time the sort of menu of studies with visualizations and some of these things. So I don't know, do what, what are your memories of that process and going through so many iterations? Yeah, I remember, and, and I, I want to add first that I think one of the big things about the design for something like this is that um, if you don't have an understanding of like the final use of the app, that it's really easy to get caught up in making it pretty or wanting everything to look a certain way. When in reality, um, the goal is at the end of the day, we want it to look a certain way to gain users, but not necessarily every single screen and view within the app to be like jarring or like, um, exciting, I guess, to look at. Um, so with that, um, a lot of the process with it before really came with copy and like trying to understand what is it the spotlight does? What is it like? What are the studies that we possibly could do? What would people need? What would they not need? And then based off that, how going into like, how would we navigate through that? Um, I remember a lot of the most of the work was behind the wireframe of Spotlight, which like was all, it was a joint effort for sure. It was the whole team um, coming up with how does, like we said, like what uh, sensors can your phone use? How will it use it? How can we combine them together? Do we want them to be able to turn one on or off? And then once we kind of figure out how it's going to be used, then I think just having an understanding of how, who your people are. So if you have younger people or older people and knowing what apps they use, what products they use, how, um, what they're used to, what they will naturally acclimate to, um, to just kind of make a general, easy to use across the board app. Yeah, I mean, we've spent a lot of energy. Actually, you can see back here the um, persona boards from the um, Viento project, which I think you were a part of, or at least the OK Thanks team overall, which really helped us kind of center on the idea of personas uh, and deep research in our community to generate those, right? So it's not a typical persona generation process, maybe that would have come from marketing, uh, advertising in a for-profit realm, but we, I think, achieved some really useful things. We can link to that um, later in the work we did there. I mean, you mentioned the people and understanding people. I know that you've, without getting into specific meetings that may or may not have been on the record, but I know you you did a lot of trips. I mean, you were able to do a few trips. I, can't, I cannot remember, can't always remember who was on what trip, but you were able to travel and meet users and communities face-to-face -face in different cases and present your work. I mean, what has been your experience with the internet freedom and human rights community when you've come sort of face-to-face -face with people in need and how has that benefited or informed your work? I will say, I think the main takeaway is that they are just people. Um, just as in not a negative way, like they're, they're people just like me. And it's, I think it's really easy to see, um, like when you see backgrounds or situations that are very different from yours to kind of automatically imagine this person is a trillion miles away. And even if they literally are a trillion miles away, you have so much in common still. And, um, even if we don't, speak the same language I mean we're still 
people, you know, and we have our daily struggles and, and I mean, our lives will look very different, obviously, but in the end, um, I think the main thing I've taken away from meeting people within the internet freedom, the human rights world is that people just like me who are passionate about things just like me. And even if we don't have the same understand or not understanding, but even if we don't have the same um, experience, we don't have the same experiences at all in life, we can still empathize. And by being able to do that, it makes designing a product for them that much easier because it's a real person I can empathize with. I flip, I want to flip that on its head though, or take it farther, farther, which is, and this is something I've had to learn. They are just people and they will be just as demanding as any other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you want to say, don't you understand it's open source and it's built by us and (laughs) we're your people. And they're like, yeah, but like that button is confusing or like, it's slow when I scroll or it doesn't do it as well as WhatsApp. And you're just like, mm-hmm. no, like, yeah. But they won't cut, they don't cut slack just because yeah. it's like a human rights thing, you know, we're past yeah. that phase. Right. Uh-huh. And, you know, we have to be realistic about the level of funding we have and our actual capabilities, but our users are holding us to the same bar and expectations because they don't, they don't have extra time in their life to deal with apps that are slow or buggy or confusing. So it's taken taken me ten years to like accept that criticism and move past it and and try to live up to it as much as possible, you know. And and which has led us to more simpler apps, right? So you worked on Proof Mode, right? The redesign of Proof Mode. Um, not? not not so much. Really. That was okay. mostly Carrie. Okay, um, but that's an example where we had an app that Carrie worked on previously called Camera V that was extremely complex um, and too complex and too ambitious for the funding we had. And through proof mode, I made a kind of technical architectural simplification to an app that was almost invisible and had almost no user interface. And then Carrie brought us back to somewhere in between that still offered, you know, in collaboration with Dia at Witness and others, you know, what found that middle ground where we can, you know, keep users informed. Um, and uh, oh, here you go, dropped and came back. back. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I have this amped up to like, I'm trying to do like high def audio and all this stuff, <laughs> it, which is working, but yeah. your bandwidth will, will drop. You're in remote, the remote wilds of the southern part of the United States anyway, so you don't, your bandwidth is. Uh, challenged yeah (laughs) (laughs) no um so the other you worked on onion browser i know that um the overhaul visually of onion browser the app and the website and that was also another important experience in sort of saying you know navigating that well it's it's a browser with tor but it's not tor browser and teaching, having to communicate just what kind of safeguards we're promising without over-promising and thinking about all of these very tricky things. And what, how did you feel? I mean, you know, as someone who, again, who's just a regular person who just wants to browse the web safely, where do you feel we ended up after that journey? I mean, I really love how it looks and feels, you know, what was your sort of um, feeling coming through it and do you think we achieved a browser that you know a regular person at your yoga class might use I think so I um I agree I think it's it's taken a huge turn for sure and I think um it feels really similar to safari which was a goal to be um I thought I would first um, to stay um, very usable to be like have all of the information we need present without being overwhelming and in your face so that someone from my yoga studio who's not who hasn't used Tor browser before 
would still be able to open that app and know exactly how to use it. It would be really straightforward. But at the same time, someone who has always used Tor Browser and now wants to access it on iOS would still be able to find everything they need to know about their security settings. They can easily um, get bridges. They can like do whatever they need um, in a very straightforward way for iOS, which is very different from how it would work on Android. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges was trying to imagine what something so secure would look like on iOS when it's not really precedented. Um, there's like one or two browsers out there to really be able to base that off of. I think we've struggled with what what do we expose users to ultimately? I mean, do we show them in the days of, you know, chat secure kind of work, we had an app called chat secure and every message had like a lock or a shield or everything was very overt. This is secure. Right. Um, and then I think we, with something like onion browser, we've tried to, I think the goal of saying, how does this fit within what the expectations are on iOS? Right. What is the, you know, where, where we know that, Apple Messages app is quite secure, but it doesn't, you know, overplay that in the way it displays messages, for instance. It just has green and blue messages, for instance, to indicate some difference. You don't quite know what these are, but you intuit that message color matters. Um, or the way that a browser is set up and how, you know, things like showing the HTTPS certificate. I mean, there are cases where choices Apple has made maybe aren't the right ones if you're a person who wants to be sure that like the certificate is from a certain place, you know, I don't know. So I do like the idea that we're fitting in with Apple, but in some cases they say, why would someone ever want to do that? And, and don't consider our need, the use cases that our users need, right? How are you? Are you an Apple, you know, sort of, Total devotee. Do you think Apple is the pinnacle or do you feel that, you know, I mean, I'm talking software design too, where hardware, it's more clear how much they've done. Software is really a debate and they seem to change their opinion every few years Mm -hmm. about what's the best way that software should look and work. I, I will say that I've had an iPhone probably since, I think since 2009. Um, and I don't know if I could imagine, like, personally not using one, but since designing for the two, um, as a designer, Android's really nice. There's so much more freedom with what you can do. Um, there's so much more availability and options. Um, yeah, I I'm not nearly as snobby about it as I used to be I would say <laughs> um yeah but personally it, it's just like a muscle memory thing at this point um but I mean if yeah I also think that it's bizarre and ridiculous like costs and prices and everything and I could get just as great of a phone if I were to get an android but the new SE, yeah. the new iPhone SE is looking really good in terms of price and value. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there, there's that side. And there, I mean, there's a lot of other reasons. I mean, we've been Android centric, though we fully develop for both platforms now, as you know, right? Um, and it's been interesting to see where, yeah, where you, the, the goal has been to offer a design that is um, the same or as close as possible on both platforms. But there's some convention like like back buttons or back arrows that are totally different sometimes or you know and I thought it was I mean you know we also work you know built Orfox and which is now Tor browser for Android that really we didn't do much design because it just used Firefox and 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 kind of followed the Tor browser work and though they did some improved design the Tor project did with Antonella there um, to make it more like the desktop. But it's been great working on Onion Browser because it is clearly, a, even if it was called Tor Browser for iOS, would still be quite different than the desktop or it would demand it to be quite different for, for the users. And I'm excited that 
we'll see increased adoption as we also have a new website and a video coming. And so I think it's something you should be really proud of. And, and you know, it could, out of all the things we work on, the, the things that have Tor in them tend to impact millions of users um, pretty quickly. Um, you know, I think uh, Spotlight and uh, as well could, you know, we're, we're seeing interest there in helping workers with managing their workplace's response to, you know, um, coronavirus and the pandemic. And we're hopeful to help workers around the world there have tools to to do that, which would be amazing. And I know with, with Circulo, um, we've also, it's a very noble cause and we want to see increased adoption around safety of women journalists. And um, you all, and I'm missing stuff, save, save for, in, save, yeah, yeah. open archive, save, save right? So, mm-hmm. oh man. Um, which is yeah, a whole nother project that we, you know, I'll, I'll pro- I'm going to do an interview with Natalie. So, but, um, that was an interesting project in that sometimes I was like, wait, are we just building like an FTP client? But you know, it was not an FTP client. It was something more. And it had kind of its own point of view about something simple as like, okay, this backs up files, right? It like right. backs up files. So that it's very different than onion browser or some of the, or or Spotlight, which was like a whole new concept. And Save was just backup files, but yet it had, it's, it's become something more. Editing. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's Again, it's what is, there's this unique need that these users have and how can we make their lives like slightly better enough that they would use this app, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I, I enjoy it. It definitely, you know, like... I'm trying to use it. There's there's many times where I say, oh, I'd rather not create another iCloud or Google Photos album. I need yeah. something different, you know? So I like the workflow for sure. So mm-hmm. am I missing? What I don't know. Maybe you can share. What are some other yeah. experiences you had while working um, at OK Thanks with us that I, you want to share? I also worked on RFA. Um Oh, yeah, our uh, mobile news for uh, Radio Free Asia project, yeah? Yes, and... Which is a whole other technical stack to work with, uh-huh. right? Progressive web apps. So you've you've gotten quite the gamut of ways to build stuff. Toes in a lot of different waters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think pretty early on there was um, the Keanu app, and then there was RFA, Save, Onion Browser, um, Spotlight. Yes, spots. I need to like look at my phone and see <laughs> what all apps I have on here. Um, I think that's it was those ones and then also worked in the um on the research research side for um magic wormhole and for siphon um and right so okay thanks has been working as through the design uh usability lab at uh, the um open technology foundation um and you've been providing services for different groups in the community around yeah, research and feedback on different needs that they've had. And it's been great, uh, you know, to see, I think, oh, okay, thanks has the, has such great value to provide beyond guardian project to so many other groups. And I'm really glad that's been able to happen. And mm-hmm. uh, I hope that continues. And yeah. I mean, you're, you're departing, so Carrie needs to ramp up some of her team again. Trying. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> yes. But the hope is that she can continue to do that because the value that the process that she has developed and the you know and the, the viewpoint really ultimately and the skill set yeah. um, I think is can benefit a lot of people. Yeah, and I think uh, something you said earlier that is really important, and I had some good conversations last year IFF around was kind of the struggle with getting with adoption for um 
open source apps and kind of the push on the design side for getting funding for good marketing. And not that, um, and I think marketing can be such a loaded term too, but being able to present your app as just as good or like just like competitively um present it yeah. competitively with mainstream apps that um you know the users are already using um and i think that like in the internet freedom space there's not a want for the talent to do it i think there's a lot of super talented designers that i've met and come across that are just like chomping at the bit to be able to like do that and then um yeah i think it's it's really just a matter of getting your apps positioned up next to those things and um because you can make the inside of you can make the experience like the best experience of any app but if you aren't properly marketing it no one's going to hear about it and no one's going to start using it so that's something that I'd love to see more of in the space uh, is the um, just seeing that as an importance and something that is important. <laughs> well, I've been really happy with, you know, with Circulo, we've created this great video that showcases mm-hmm. the app and the concept of it is, and it really the way we can express the value of the app in a few minute video, you know, kind of goes back to the way it was designed and, yeah. and, and the way it was based in the community kind of telling us what they needed. Um, you know, onion browser, we redid the website as part of the project, but again, that the website is just a vehicle for marketing and communicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a real product. It looks as polished as any other browser, um, and, and has a good presence and, um, online. And then, with Spotlight, which is now known as We Clock, you know, we went through multiple branding exercises and have created this great, you know, document, this kit that will be shared with organizations um, that um, just tells stories about the value and use so that it can be marketed to, you know, meaning the value of it can be communicated to um, worker groups or unions that need to adopt it, right? So, yeah, I, I think that is great. And you mentioned IFF, and I, yeah, I remember that was another thing I wanted to share. I mean, Internet, I think we would, we might be, this was when we were supposed to be in Spain at the Internet Freedom Festival, yeah. possibly this week, right? Yeah, um, I think so. And now, you know, we're not, we're all at home. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, let, let's, what was your, yeah, how did, what was your experience at IFF and how did you, uh, what do you miss about not being there? And uh, what were any memorable moments or what were some of the workshops you also uh, presented or some of the work? I think I remember, but yeah, I'll let you share. Um, I, yeah, I, so I went to IFF last year and it was my, I think I just finished my first year at OK Thanks. So I started two in 2018. So 2019 was my first chance at IFF. And um, it was overwhelming <laughs> for me. I'll say there was a lot of... Um, there's just so many things represented there. And as a designer, and I'd never been to anything like that before. And having come from marketing and stuff, like that background, everything has always been just very visual. Um, and as soon as I stepped into the internet freedom space, very rarely was design talking about something visual. Um, necessarily, like it wasn't graphic design like I'm used to. So, um, but I found it really interesting. There was a few uh, workshops that were really interesting to attend. Um, we hosted one on creating user personas and we developed a, um, a packet. We ended up calling it the Exploratorium of different activities and exercises um, for people to use to learn different things about communities. And it sounds really vague because it's a really broad project. So we had one activity about um, 
creating user personas and you would roll dice and like pull these cards out and answer the questions on the cards about the people that you're designing for. And then um, just really fun kind of activities like that that are really hands-on. They're even like um, team building exercises in and of themselves. So we got to present some of those in sessions, which was really fun. We got great feedback. Um, And we did like a a walkthrough of like, um, it was like a secret mission kit and you had to go like answer all of these questions about an app to get feedback. Um, So like, what was difficult for you? Like, can you do this? And basically making sure that the main uses of the app are possible. That was another session we did that was really fun. And then uh, we did one on, um, what was the word? Uh, Co-designing and how, and we, there was like 50 people in our session and we had them um, kind of line up what different parts of the design process, like what order do you take the design process in and um, how would you define each level of that? Yeah, so the co-designing session was we had developers, we had um, community advocates, we had designers, we had um, just the whole end funders. So we had several different parts of the puzzle as far as uh, design goes. And it was really interesting to hear how everybody, where they find their struggles are in the process and how... Um, pairing up with someone who doesn't have their role can kind of ease those pains. And um, yeah, that was a really awesome experience to get to. That's a great way to put it though. The uh, parent, yeah, where you have deficiencies by pairing up, you can sort of ease pain, your own struggle with someone else's capabilities. Um, So, and yeah, I really enjoyed those sessions. And I think the, Exploratorium is a great example um, of a of a tool of a method of a process um, that you know we also did with the Viento project with the method cards, which I really enjoyed, and we've promoted those. Basically, you so many times I see people spend a lot of time and energy to get people in a room together, and then and sort of like, okay, now what do we do? You know, when it comes to trying to talk to communities, you know, and we just also did it with. Um, we did these listening sessions right around Orbot um, and had hired trainers and community organizers around the world to kind of run listening sessions locally in their local communities. And I really like that tool as well. So all of the things that OK Thanks has done to help us have sort of frameworks or latticeworks on which to build useful interactions and outcomes that can inform design are, have just been fantastic. And I know IFF was a great opportunity to share those and um i uh, i wish we were all there i know part of my reason of doing podcasts like this is to replace some of the interactions we would have had in person and to capture some of the things that we want to share i know we also we're gonna have a number of other podcasts on on circulo on open archives save on onion browsers so all of the things we've been talking about today will continue to be promoted and shared and discussed here um and your work will live on. Uh, so you're moving. So from here, you're moving on to uh, study um, something entirely different. If you want to share that, I think it's fascinating. Yes. This is also where I do. You, you talked about yoga. This is where I do yoga and gymnastics and, and karate with my kids. Um, these are our home mats here. But um, I was wondering that earlier. They look like gymnastics mats. I love it. Yeah, we sort of scavenged, we dumpster dived our local gym, gym that was throwing them <laughs> out. And now we have this makeshift hack together home gym, but it works very well. So this is where I practice my uh, handstands and headstands. Oh, nice. Anyway, but yeah, anyway. so that, I mean, just as you as a person, I mean, you, you're, there's sort of two sides of your life and what draws you to, I mean, does, 
does working with the body and movements scratch a totally different itch, um, so to speak, or or is there some unification with your satisfaction of doing design that they, they connect? You know, I'm trying to kind of figure that out myself. Um, so I'm uh, starting full-time chiropractic school um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's, of course, going to look different now. We'll all be online for a little bit. Um, but... Yeah, so I've been a yoga teacher for a couple of years. Like, really, I started teacher training the same week I started. Okay, thanks. So just about the same amount of time. Um, And I think that there's just something about a creative mind that it's it doesn't ever turn off. And I kind of thought that, um, like, I've seen it in uh, teaching yoga as well, in creating sequences and um, you're still solving problems. You are like following a structure um, of the way that a class should go, but tailoring it to the students who are in the room, teaching it specifically to the people in front of you. And then um, you have to constantly be learning there as well um, and always open to trying new ways of approaching a problem or a pose or whatever it is um, if I've always said it this way and nobody's getting it right, then are they at fault or am I at fault? Should I be teaching it differently or saying it differently? And I think a lot of things definitely line up with design there, especially in interaction design. Um, we can have this tried and true way of how we've always thought something should look. And that's one of my biggest works personally, like personal struggles is like, this is how it should be. I love rules. But knowing that things change sometimes, like the people, like if this might be the way that I think that page should be laid out, but if it doesn't make sense to the majority of my users, I need to find a different way to do it. Um, And so for me, um, chiropractic was a way to kind of better address um, the actual movements of the body. And I want to be able to approach problem solving even bigger, like, um, to be able to help people heal and grow non with non-invasive medicine. Um, and how like the movement of your body that you already have is, can just work wonders. Um, but it's being able to teach and to create that knowledge for people so that they can, um, we can work together to solve problems. So that's, kind of where I'm going. So I don't think it's a complete, it's not a total 180. It's a different, it's a complete different medium for sure. But um, in the long run, it's really kind of the same. It's not the same. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is the problem solving that is across all boards. Yeah, I also studied music for a long time and mostly playing instruments like the double bass or this tuba. Um, and so I always think of myself as kind of a bass player, you know, in, in a band and think of a lot of the way we like projects, we work on as, as bands recording an album. Um, and, and that I like to be the bass player. Um, and so that mentality of collaboration is also kind of a continuum for me. Um, in terms of the way I work in other projects um, or in other mediums. Um, but more specifically, I, you know, think that, uh, yeah, our society is, has, is on a bad trajectory when it comes to body uh, wellness. Um, though, you know, obviously things like yoga uh, have become more mainstream and, um, uh, you know, health is a big part of the world but you know technology is mostly at odds with that you know and as much as i love technology it really is uh you know all sorts of new ailments be it weird calluses on your thumb to you know posture to um you know seeing with my homeschooling my children how much we're demanding of them to be kind of sitting at screens now um and trying to figure out how we counteract that and um, have better spaces and you know and, and it's one of the reasons I turned half of my office into a makeshift gym was to be able to sit on the floor more and stuff but also um, standing desk and 
kind of moving in different environments. But yeah, it's, I think it's important to, it's great that, that, you know, people are thinking about this and, you know, finding ways to help people. And, you know, we're, I think we'll, we're going to be moving beyond the, the, the shiny glass, you know, fondle slabs, as some people call them. But, you know, it's so this sort of thing right now, because they're so small and we do this, right. And we collapse our whole body and we, this, or the way that keyboards are now um, physically, you know, I'm hopeful for more, I don't know, something that a way of interacting that opens you up more perhaps, you know, or allows you to engage with people and technology more um, in a more fluid environment. I mean, and it's also, I'm talking to you now on a screen that is, you know, even, and if I, you know, put you full screen, you're sort of sitting in front of me and I'm talking to you as opposed to looking down at a laptop. So, um, I don't know. Do you have, do you dream of a more integrated physical technological future or is that just, you'll see it when it comes and not, not a hobby of yours. Like it is <laughs> oh, always. I, I think that was a big thing where I started to feel like, I don't know if this is like, I'm constantly finding myself like this, especially as the graphic designer, um, when other members of the team can like go sit over here and think about copy and like write on paper and do things like that. But if I'm like working on UI, it's like Schroeder at his piano, you know, like I can't, I can't get up and walk around and go think and stuff. And so I would love that. I've even seen, um, like, myself I'm like doing this and I'll find myself like why is my right shoulder in my ear <laughs> and like have to consciously sit up and roll my shoulders back and I would love to see um less of this um I don't know maybe as a chiropractor I'll be cool with it <laughs> right um, you need your steady <laughs> supply of, of injured uh injuries on that front I mean yeah it is but, amazing how many people yeah are affected and and really i i'm as a parent i just want it to be different for my kids and to mm -hmm. find ways that they can interact with i mean i'm a, I'm a huge fan of audio and listening right with our ears and hearable interfaces and wearable interfaces where they're more integrated with other senses in your body i think are coming um and you know i've also like as a kid i had a drafting table because i thought i wanted to be a comic book artist and yeah when microsoft came out with the surface like the huge one where you can like looks like a drafting table you know mm -hmm. and so maybe there are things like that but um i but will yeah. say and, oh go ahead sorry well it's yeah there's kind of the consumer user interface where um we have to think about certain things and then there's the uh here comes some consumer users right now come in um <laughs> and then there's the the tool builder like us who have a different kind of level of, of need and interaction come join me <laughs> um it's my it's minecraft time so i think we got to wrap this up since yeah. they they're uh three times a week um minecraft session with their cousins around the world so um it's very exciting and it's actually i should say um a really amazing experience to see how they collaborate with their cousins in around the world and are building this whole it's like i'm actually super pro minecraft because it's so creative and they're collaborating as if they were playing around a table with family members they don't get to see otherwise so yeah that's awesome they're still doing this but <laughs> <laughs> just like roll it back <laughs> yeah so that's awesome. wanna say hi hi you gotta come in a little closer this is casey you guys probably can't hear hello here and it. oh no Hi. All right. <laughs> How's it going? Working from home. Good. You ready for some Minecraft? Yeah. I'm about to teach the yoga class soon. She's going to teach yoga. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up then. Hopefully, right. I had a, I had my GoPro ran out of space. My phone died. Hopefully, <laughs> your phone's still recording. My laptop should still yeah. be recording. Yes. We'll get this out in some format, and I just have to filter out the jackhammer noise. But thank you for bearing with me. Of I'm glad we did this. 
And yeah. thank you for all the contributions. Um, I'm glad to have the record of this and we'll be putting it up with links and um, yeah, to sort of commemorate your, your contribution to the team. Really appreciate awesome. it and good luck with your future journeys and paths. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.